it ain't over yet. After dropping the first two games in Carolina, the Rangers came back to the Garden with a vengeance, beating the Hurricanes 3-1 to Sunday. There were some sparks that were flying, but the series is now at 2-1. to Can the Blue Shirts find a way to win this damn thing? We chat with the Post Hall of Famer Larry Brooks, who will give us details on the altercation at the end of the game and what exactly happened. Ron Duguay and Molly Walker got you covered next on Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. (laughs) And in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. (laughs) I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. (laughs) Oh, 100%. That's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. (laughs) Molly off the air. A whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be court side and I'll be up in the blue seats. <laughs> Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. The Rangers win game three at the Garden, three to one, and we have a series. And to get into that epic 3-1 victory, we bring you the host of Up in the Blue Seats. That would be the queen of the post, Molly Walker. And our co-host, Rangers great number 10, Ron Duguay. What an atmosphere, guys. Larry Brooks will join us later in the show. That was a big one. Ron, what'd you think? Well, the, the fact that I was in there, you guys are both there. Please share with me, what was the atmosphere like in the building because of, you know, the Ranger fans needed to come out and support this team. And what I really appreciated what the Ranger fans were doing is that they were really chanting the Igor Igor chant when Igor needed to hear Igor when he let that loose goal in there. So what was the building like in game three? Yeah, no, I think that was probably you just mentioned it, Ron. That was the most crucial part of the entire game. I think, you know, he let in that soft goal. It was an absolute soft goal. It just squeaked in under his armpit. It's not a good position by him. Rare softy for him. And, you know, he was down and and immediately right after the entire garden just started chanting his name. And, and after the game, he said, he's like, I just want to thank all the fans, you know, he said he felt like he let them down in that one moment, but they continued to support him and he appreciated that so much. So no doubt that had an impact on his performance last night. And he was spectacular. I don't even how many saves that he had 43 saves. I mean, just another otherworldly performance by Igor Shosturkin and the Rangers were able to ride that. I mean, this is the third game in a row that the Rangers have kept the Hurricanes to a single goal in regulation, not including empty netters or overtime winners. That is unreal. That is a huge, huge feat. That's what they need to do against this team. And that's something that I certainly didn't expect them to be able to do. But 
like you said, Jake, we got, we got a series now. Yeah. And it, it was interesting, Ron, the, you asked about the vibe in the building and I tweeted this out. Molly could attest. There were some scattered empty seats in this building. Like they announced 18,006. I would argue it wasn't a complete sellout. There were tickets available for $150 at, you know, I checked at three 30. I wanted to see what the market was like. And there was 100 level seats for $150. Game seven was a thousand. So that was the, you know, target or Marshall's price to get in the building at the last minute. So I felt like there, there was some, there was some uneasy feeling at the beginning. There were fans that were a little bit worried, but I think Tuesday now will be slammed. Uh, I've never seen that that low though. Prices to get in for every game have been four or five hundred dollars at the very least. So to see tickets at one fifty, I know there were a lot of college graduations and and hot weather outside. But I know Molly, we were happy in the air conditioned cold at the Garden. Yeah, no, I think. I, I want to say that it was a late arriving crowd. I know that the traffic wasn't that great around the garden at that time. So I'm hoping that that's why it seemed like it was a little empty in the beginning because people were late arriving. But then once once puck drop and, and it was a little bit after that, I felt like the seats filled in. But yeah, you can't really blame them. It's they are the underdogs in this series. They're down two games. Had they gone down three games, this series might have been over. So I don't really, you know, blame the fans. But yes, I, I expect that game four will will have a little bit of a different vibe to it because the Rangers are lining up to to even the series here. So that would be that would be huge for them going back to Carolina for game five on Thursday. Well, I look forward to game four uh, for different reasons. I, I, I kind of when I when I'm as a player, when I watch the game, there's certain things I look for. And I just felt like the Rangers appear to be a little bit flat. They appear to be tired. Their playmaking wasn't what it was in game one and game two, although they do find a way to score goals. And there's a reason why Carolina got so many shots. I just think that they didn't have their A game. They got away with one. I like the fact that Max Domi did what he did towards the end of the game. Why? Because it could be a carryover into the following game. And I say this because now you get Coach Gallant angry, and that will make a difference. Now, I know Coach Gallant because I he was my teammate for two seasons. And the one thing with him, I mean, he, he could be a quiet guy on the ice, but you mess around with his teammates, my goodness, he's a bulldog. If you look at any of his fights, if you touch Stevie Eisenman, you touch anyone – he was after them, and that's what we saw last night. I believe Tony that uh, was chirping at someone, and uh, sure enough, Coach, who was angry with the cheap shot from Max, that it just got him fired up. Now, we're hoping that will be a carryover, and you can use it, right, because it's going to be in their head. Carolina knows that Coach is angry, so what do you do next game? You start Reeves out there. And you have them play, set the tone in the building. Hopefully the fans will show up early. There'll be an energy in the warm-up because the Ranger fans can make a difference. So they can use this energy, get the physical game going, set the tone for the game, play a little angry. Now I have to say this without taking any penalties. No penalties. Although Carolina is not a real threat, you do not want to take penalties. Just go out there, set the tone, get physical, Play off that last game because I didn't think the passion, the emotion was in that game last game. And hopefully we'll see it next game. Molly, I want to hear your reaction, but let's hear the final call first that Ron's talking about courtesy of ESPN. As it ends, Domi and Lindgren get involved in it. Domi gave Lindgren a whack with his stick and Lindgren didn't like it at all. And I don't blame him. All right, now let's hear what, what Galan had to say about that final play. 
No, I wasn't happy with the, you know, the bull at the end of the game that they initiated, you know. I mean, we didn't do that when the games were close. We put, you know, they put their guys on. That's fine. If they want to play like that, we got the guys that can match up. It's pretty standard in the playoffs, though. Do you believe in that at all? I don't like it at the end of a game. The game's over. You know, we get, we've still got four games to go with those guys. I mean, they're not sending any message. We got the guy that can handle all their guys if we want to. And we didn't, we don't, you know, we didn't do it like that. But Domi took a cheap shot of their defenseman. And, you know, you, you, got, a lot, you got a long memory in this. You think about things and, uh, like I said, might be on the other foot someday. I think the best part of everything that Gallant said at the, at the post game was he threatened with Ryan Reeves. You know, he basically said if they want to do that kind of stuff, if they want to play that way, we got one guy that can handle all of their guys <laughs> without even uttering his name, making any sort of reference to his name. Everybody in that in that post-game press conference room knew exactly who he was talking about. And he actually was using Ryan Reeves as a threat there, which I thought was pretty epic. So I, I agree with you, Ron. I totally think this is going to spill over into the next game, but I think it was an ultra cheap shot because it was on Ryan Lindgren. He cross-checked him right in the back, and everybody knows that Ryan Lindgren is being held together by pieces of tape and staples right now. He is so banged up. That is not the guy to cheap shot after the whistle. So I think the Rangers really took exception to that entire sequence, and and we definitely could see things get fired up here in the beginning of Game Four. The thing with Max, I, he was he was tapping into his dad Ty. <laughs> you know, Dad Ty uh, was probably the best flat fighter <clears throat> in the NHL. Although he did have respect for other players. I mean, he would fight you if he had to fight you, but he's not a cheap shot type of guy. So you know, Max kind of uh, you know we've seen in the past where teams feel like they need to send a message toward the end of the game if they've lost that game. And so that was kind of his message sending. But I think he made a mistake in how he did it. If it was a big hit, fine. And then you got Tony D'Angelo chirping at the players. And so hopefully, and I think Coach Gallant, who's been around, understands that uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing to get his team fired up physically because you kind of have to push them a little bit to get them playing that way, because it's a skilled team. It's a young team. It's a skilled team. And they don't have a tendency to play that way. So it wouldn't be the worst thing to get this team fired up physically with the fans behind them, because the fans have heard and they've seen all this. Now they're expecting something. When you mention Ryan Reeves, you now have to use that situation. you got to get him starting. You put Truba back there. He comes up with a big hit. Get the building going. Get the energy going. And all of a sudden, now you're in their head, right? We're coming after you. And uh, what happens when you get a physical game? Well, you're hoping that the opposing team will try to do the same, and they'll retaliate. They'll retaliate, take a penalty. You put the Rangers on a power play, which they end up scoring a goal. And that could be the advantage. And that could be a deciding factor for the game. That one goal, if you can get them out of their game, Carolina, because they've taken penalties. It's a team that will retaliate and take penalties. So they have to use this. So I look forward to game four and actually look forward to going to the game. That's been the entire series so far. It's been one or two goals that have been deciding these games. So I think you're totally right. And especially where the Rangers power play is concerned, the Rangers have, that's going to be the difference maker in this series. I think for them, 
they get on the power play and they get their power play going, that's where they're going to be able to make their offense, basically. But I, I have to know, Ron, did you ever get entangled with uh, Ty Domi? Uh, no, we crossed. Uh, he, I think his first year was my last year. Uh, okay. And the only time him and I crossed were in the bar in New York City. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so no bar fights either? No. In fact, he wanted to hang out with me. Uh, I have a cute story on that, but we'll probably tell us some other time. It'd be fun to have Ty back on the show just to see where this goes. If it's, if Max really gets involved in this series moving forward, we got to try to get Ty back on here because Ty will share his stories. But um, Coach Gallant, because I spent two years playing with Coach Gallant, and my goodness, he was the most quiet guy in the dressing room. But you get him fired up, boy, he's like, you know, he looks kind of looks like a bulldog. Oh, he gets angry. My goodness. Yeah, he gets red face. And uh, so I'm anxious to see where this thing all goes. And they got to take advantage of it. And speaking of Coach Gallant, we have to make a mention, Molly. He's a finalist for the Jack Adams Award and uh, well-deserving, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, what, there is no no argument to be made against that. I think that once the Rangers really started to have their success toward the middle of the regular season, I think everybody was really expecting him to uh, be one of the finalists. I thought it was really adorable. Flames head coach Daryl Sutter said something to the effect of, I want to see a guy like Gerard Gallant win. And then we brought it up to Gallant in the, po- in, in the press conference the next day. And he was like, yeah, I, I saw that. He was like, I think he feels bad for me for all the times that I got fired, <laughs> which was pretty funny. It was a good sport about it. But I, I think that, you know, it's uh, it's very interesting among the NHL coaching community. I think that, you know, Daryl Sutter was saying that if it were up to the coaches, you would see a much different selection of, of Jack Adams finalists. So I thought that was an interesting comment. Um and I think that a lot of people look at someone like Gerard Gallant, who has kind of been, you know, a journeyman through his coaching stops, and he's really only gotten three years at a time. And then he's gotten fired in some in some pretty unfortunate ways as well. Everybody knows what happened in Florida with the cab ride. And uh, I think that a lot of coaches are probably pulling for Gallant because he he, de- he definitely does deserve it. He really did a lot with this Rangers team uh, this season. I'm not sure if he's going to win just because of how much of the Rangers success this season has fallen on guys' shoulders like Igor Shostyurkin and, and their power play and, and things like that, that were kind of already intact, but he definitely unlocked a lot out of this Rangers team, just with his hands-off coaching style and his, his old school approach. I, I, th- I think it's directly correlated to what happened with Chris Kreider this season. I really do. Cause I think Chris Kreider is such a mental player and that's something that we've known about him for his entire career. And he's been such a streaky producer because of it, but a guy like Gallant, he just lets them to do what makes them successful and great on the ice without hovering or, or putting pressure on them. And I think that's exactly why Chris Kreider was able to have the season that he had because he just knew he had a coach who was in his corner and who wanted him to do what makes him great. And the other thing a a good coach does, he creates an atmosphere in the dressing room where the players are relaxed and they come together as a team. He kind of stays out of it. He lets the leadership in the room lead the team. And you you look at like a guy like Truba. I mean, Truba's had a good season. Why? He doesn't feel so uptight. Lafaniere. I mean, you watch Lapinier play now. He's a physical guy. He's finishing his checks, and he looks calm and relaxed, and he's happy. Now, some 
coaches would put too much pressure on the young players and they don't succeed. And so I think you look at Lafreniere, he's had a really good season more, more than anything else. I mean, it's really helped that not only they make the playoffs, we won the first round, right? Who knows where this goes, but I, I believe that uh, for, for Gerard Gallant, he's going to be in the top two. The other one would be Daryl Sutter. And for those of you who don't quite know Daryl Sutter, Sutter you got to go listen to his sound bites after, after games. I mean, the guy's hysterical. His one-liners and how he sees the game. Uh, he's just, um, he's very clever and a very likable guy. I, I mean, I, I, after every game, I go see what he's had to say. So I love that he has supported Gerard Gallant. And he's the type, that's the type of guy he is. Now, he did, he's had a good, really good season from where they were last year to this year. So it'll probably be between Daryl Sutter and Gerard Gallant, I believe. Bruno Moore would be in there. Bruno will be in there. But Bruno uh, end up getting a really good team. But uh, for Gerard, we're um, big supporters of him. And we, uh, we're hoping that this goes his way because he had he's had a tough time. Molly, I want to get into the couple of chances or changes that Coach Gallant did and uh, switching things up, putting Cop in the middle and then the kid line breaking that up and Lafreniere, he continues to perform and look good on the ice. Yeah, no, I, I really liked some of the adjustments that, that Gallant made. And he specifically said after the post game that his main goal with all of those switches in the top nine was to get Andrew Cobb in the middle for face-offs. Because I mean, if you look at the face-off numbers, I mean, this is nothing new, but they're atrocious for the Rangers. It's a bit of problem for them for so long. It's just, it's just a byproduct of this team at this point. It, they've, they've done everything they can. They bring in, you know, ex refs to practice with them in the regular season They're They've done so, but it just doesn't do anything. It's, it's crazy, but that was what he said was, was the biggest reason why he wanted to get cop in the middle for face-off purposes. But if you ask me and, and everybody listening to this, who listened to last episode, who has been hearing me gush over Philip Hedl and, and what he's turned into in this postseason, I think that was also a way to reward Philip Hedl for the way that he's played the way that he's acted this postseason, he 100% deserved top line minutes. And that's what he got. And I also like that he was put on the wing there. You know, that's something that everyone's been going back and forth with about Filipino for his entire five seasons in New York. Is he a winger? Is he a center? Because he just hasn't been able to break out yet. So love that he got that, that chance on the top line there. And I thought that they were great. I thought that they were one of the best lines on the ice for sure. And it, and it was a bit of a risky move there to, to break up the kid line because the kid line has far and away been the Rangers most consistent unit this entire playoffs. I'm, ba- I'm talking back to round one. They just have been the most, the through line of this Rangers team. They come with the same thing every night while the rest of the lines just haven't really been there. So he said at the end, at the end of the second period and and into the third, he went back to the original top nine configuration with the kid line back intact. And he said that that was more for defensive purposes, but this also kind of gets back to the Rangers recurring problem of kind of sitting on leads and protecting leads and, and trying to hold them instead of build upon them. But at this point in looking at who they're playing and who they're stacking up against, you know, that's kind of the way that they have to go. <laughs> it's, it's, this, this Hurricanes team is so lethal on offense and can open the ice so much that 
they have to be thinking defensively. I don't think, I mean, tell me, Ron, am I wrong? Like with a team like that, do you kind of have to change your mentality to be a little bit more defensive minded because of knowing what they're capable on the other end of the ice? Well, when you have the puck, you're not having to defend. And that's where I've had an issue with but the that's Rangers. The thing. They don't always have the puck. They, you know, that's, that's how, that's the hurricanes. That's what they do. They get the puck and they have it for really long stretches of time. The one thing that I would try to change with the Rangers is that they're, their gap control between the defensemen and the forwards. I, I'm seeing them not playing tight enough where can they work and they can uh, double team guys when they have the puck play tighter, do more give and goes. They're trying to do too many stretch passes. And what ends up happening is that, yeah, they'll fire the puck up the ice. A guy will tip it. It'll go down in Carolina, but it's essentially becomes a giveaway because now you may get, a, some pressure on them, but often Caroline gets the puck and needs to come right out. I would prefer the, the Rangers to come back and go up as a unit of five up the ice, tighter together, double team guys, and then walk the puck in. Or at that point, you can dump it in with some speed. And we saw that in game one, game two also. Game three, I didn't see it. So that's why I'm thinking, and, you know, not all lines are, are going really well. We keep talking about Panarin, and I, I felt like Panarin looked like he was tr- he was going to try to be relaxed and try things with the puck, but playing against Carolina, it wasn't working. And so I think he's kind of caught in no man's land right now. Okay, what do I do? Because it's not working. And so I think they just need to be tighter together, support each other, and more give and goes. And that's the way you defeat a team, not defeat a team, but you can play against a team that's kind of uh, crowding this neutral zone. So, but if you're too spread out, it just makes it harder. And they start doing these forced passes and they're and you know, they get picked off and next thing you know, you're defending. So Caroline, I don't think is really a, I mean, they control the puck, but they're not a real scoring threat like other teams, like we saw in Pittsburgh. Molly, we got to give a quick shout out to Tyler Mott too, for the behind the back empty net goal at the end of that game. And Chris Kreider right after the game said that coach is probably still mad at him for missing uh, a cookie on an empty netter. So it was nice to see Mott get his first playoff goal with the Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. Kreider had such a really funny quote after after the game, because obviously us reporters are trying to incite some fun quotes and, and Kreider's always good for a passionate one liner or two. And we were trying to ask him about all the shenanigans at the end of the game. And someone said something to the effect of like, uh, you know, what did you think about all the all the post game, you know, things that went on that had Coach Gallant all fired up? And he just he goes, he goes, are you talking about after the whistle or after I missed the open net? <laughs> he goes, I think both. I think he was pretty fired up about both of them. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh, like, no, with Domi. And he was like, oh, I was still hugging Mater at that point, And I was saying a little prayer, so I missed it. <laughs> he wasn't going to comment on that. I, I knew he wasn't. All right. So before Larry, Larry's about to hop on with us, game four, look ahead. Prediction. Molly, we'll start with you because you're, you're usually uh, negative Nancy over here. So what, what do you think for game four? I will say this. They even the series. I say they're winning it. Wow. Molly is... Turn, she's a heel turn in a good way, a wrestling term. Uh, all right. I've learned my lesson with this team more often than not. I, I know that they have to go back to Carolina, but hey, even Gallant kind of called seven last night. If anybody picked he that did. up, he said we got four more, right? He said we have four more with these guys. He called seven. Gallant called seven last night. He don't think he nobody heard it. I heard it. So, Ron, it sounds like Molly's predicting a win for game four for the Rangers. Well, there's two things that happened in this last game. 
Igor, 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 Igor is back. He's he has his A game. His confidence is back. He can be the deciding factor. Have we seen that in the past? And how the game ended with that little whatever you call it. I think Gerard Gallant's going to have this team ready. They're going to come out and play physical. They'll set the tone. Hopefully, they're going to score that first goal, and that's going to be enough for them to get them through this game. And they're going to tie things up. And once things get tied up, you just don't know what happens. Antti Ranta's playing. We're seeing the best hockey out of goaltender Antti Ranta. Can he sustain that? I'm not quite sure. And so it's a long series. I like the fact that Gerard Gallant has planted that seed. We're going to game seven. I'm going to game seven along with him. All right. And seven hearts, your thoughts? Rangers take game four. They steal the win in game five. Wrap it up at home, game six. Wow. Rangers in six. Wow. wow. <laughs> Four in a row. It's the party in the streets of New York. Oh, my goodness. And Ron. Well, I'll meet at Del Frisco's. Oh, yeah. Molly's yes, mine. <laughs> at least a bottle with that. Yeah. Thanks, Molly. Appreciate the, the kind gesture of yours. Uh, Ron tried to slide in the fact that are you actually going on Tuesday? Should Rangers fans expect to see you? Maybe a plus one with you as well? Um, yeah, I'm looking forward. Um, yeah, I'm trying to go to the game because I have not been to one game. And I really enjoy watching it on TV. And there's no distractions. But I think I want to go feel the energy of the building. And I think it's going to be different in game four. And uh, my plans are to go to game four, wait to uh, get some good seats um, and bring along my guest. And um, and then we can all meet. Yes, Ron and Molly, the first time meeting Tuesday night. Mark it on your calendars. The 24th of May will be a historic day. All right, well, well, we'll hear from fans later on about their thoughts on the series. But coming up next, it's The Post, Larry Brooks on Up in the Blue Seats. I think I've known everybody for over 40 years now. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> Okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. You know, like guys were walking around in their bathrobes, like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We... It's a two-part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome in my travel buddy, the great Larry Brooks. Lucky me, I get at least one more road trip to Raleigh with Larry. I dragged Larry to an arcade bar with a couple of the other writers and we closed the bar. Just just a little <laughs> side note there. Good times, good times. 
You can follow Larry at NYP underscore Brooksy and read him at nypost.com in the physical copy of the paper and at Post Sports Plus. Larry, we got to start with the post whistle shenanigans last night. What did you see from the whole exchange and what did you hear about what was going on between former exiled Ranger Tony D'Angelo and Gerard Gallant? Max Domi doesn't fall far from the tree. I was in Toronto in 2001 covering the Devils Maple Leafs game and there was a tie with a drive-by elbow that concussed Scott Niedermeyer and probably cost the Devils the second straight Stanley Cup. So certainly not as violent last night as uh, 21 years ago. But, you know, that's the stuff you kind of expect in a, in a playoff series. Um, I think the reason that Gallant was so angry was because it happened to Lindgren and he's hurt. We know that he's playing injured. He's playing hurt. I think that that's targeting a player who, you know, is injured, I, th- I think um, is kind of over the line. It's not over the playoff line, but it's, it's kind of over the line that, that um, Gallant would establish. So I think that's what got him really angry. And, and I think, listen, I, I, I think D'Angelo was, was kind of yapping at Lafreniere. Lafreniere can give as good as he takes. That's for sure. We've seen that during the playoffs where he's, he's become a very snarly player. You know, earlier in the game, D'Angelo had a couple of a uh, couple of dust ups with Philip Hedl and, and they went back and forth verbally. And, and so, you know, Lafreniere and D'Angelo spent a little bit of time together in the, in the Ranger room last year. And I think Gallant had just had enough. And, and l- listen, he's a guy who thinks when the game is over, the game is over. I had written last week, actually, about an incident that happened in November where Mika Zibanejad was screaming at the referee at the after uh, the Rangers had beaten Buffalo on 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 the literal last second goal by Lindgren and Gallant was screaming at Mika to be quiet to shut up because the game was over I mean that was his thing the game is over leave it the game is over and I think he's just a guy that wants the game to be played from uh for the 60 minutes or into the overtime and he just doesn't appreciate much of that after whistle stuff I think it, it kind of heightens the uh the bitterness the, the you know the animosity that's growing between the teams I don't think there was any in game one game one was almost not like the playoff game um you know it was a well-played game but there wasn't an awful lot of emotion around it game two physicality picked up a little bit and then I think last night we had you know the first real example of enmity between the two teams and 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 that's what's going to happen um, they're playing tight you know there's not much open ice the game opens up at times it did yesterday in the first period when when the rangers were on the attack but this is a really tight quarters series there's you know there's there's never more than a one goal lead you know if there's a two goal lead it lasts for two minutes so these teams are in their face, are, are in each other's faces every day, every shift. And and I, I think they're beginning to wear on each other. But Gallant just doesn't go in for that kind of stuff. Um, doesn't make him, you know, doesn't put him on a higher plane than anybody else. But that's that's just the way he sees it. He just doesn't like it. He's, you know, he didn't do it when he was a player and he doesn't like it as a coach. Yeah, I think it comes as a surprise to no one that Tony D'Angelo is in the middle of it all. I guess the next thing that I want to ask about is uh, Gallant's line changes. I personally was a really big fan of moving Filipino up to that top line on the on the wing. And I thought that it was really effective. So I'm curious, Larry, what were your thoughts on his uh, adjustments? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought <laughs> moving first First of all, I was really surprised that he moved Heedle up because it hadn't seemed during the year that I think Philip probably played on the wing between five and 10 times this year. And it just never seemed to me that that's what Gallant wanted. But I think, you know, as he explained it a little bit yesterday after the game, he made the moves for a couple of reasons. One was to um, inject some energy 
I think, into the top six. But the other reason was that he said that he wanted to get Andrew Kopp back into the middle. He wanted, you know, a stronger presence in the middle of that third line. Guy, you know, maybe was better on face-offs. So moving Phillip up to the right side with Zibanejad and Kreider just ignited that line. I, honestly, I mean, maybe maybe they would have gone anyway because they got away from the Jordan Stahl checking line matchup at home. I mean, Jordan Stahl's checking line is, I mean, they're terrific. Niederreiter on one side, Stahl in the middle, and, you know, Jesper Fast on the right, who just bangs everybody he sees. I mean, he's a, he's a more physical player. I think now he's, he looks even a little bit bigger now than he was when he was in New York. Maybe that's maybe that's an optical illusion. But, you know, they're, you know, Zibanejad and, and Kreider just unable to unlock themselves from those guys in Carolina. So um, they got a bit of a break on the match yesterday. But I thought Petal was the driving force. And then Zibanejad came right in. And Mika was just a horse. When, when Zibanejad's going, he is he honestly is, is an elite player. He, you know, he can drive the offense. He's, he's good in all three zones. He competes all the time. I think he added a little life to the, to the connection between Zibanejad and, and Kreider. Um, I liked moving Lafreniere up onto the side with um, onto the line with Panarin and Strom. I, you know, they didn't do an awful lot, but I but I'd like to see Lafreniere get as much ice time as he can. And the third line then became more of a checking unit with Kako on it and Cop um, and Vitrano. Um, and then he went back, of course, in the third period when he was protecting the one goal lead. So I'm not sure which way he's going to go tomorrow night. He may settle on his default top nine, go with the kid line again as the third line. Um, now that the Rangers have gotten back a little bit to their game. So I'm not sure, but I thought it was an inspired move yesterday from a coach that, you know, generally doesn't like to do a lot of experimenting. And you know, the other interesting thing is Hedl had not played all year with Zibanejad and Kreider. That's not, a, that's not a combination that was on the ice at all this year, you know, except for uh, a couple of line changes. Yeah, right. They're on, they're on for two minutes. They, they played a total of two minutes together. So it was really an interesting move by the coach, and I thought it paid off. I think, he's the, you know, people were saying during the middle of the Pittsburgh series, you know, he's being outcoached. Well, you know, it, it, <laughs> when you have Sidney Crosby playing at the, you know, to, to his maximum for the first four or five games of the series, yeah, you might look out coach, but I, I don't think Gerard Gallant's been out coached at all in this uh, in the playoffs. Larry, speaking of coach Gallant, uh, uh, with that dust up at the end of the game, now all the Ranger fans are aware of it. Gerard made his comments; he didn't like it. He said, "Listen, if you know if they want to play that way, we got the guys to do it." Brian Reeves. Do you think it would be best served going to uh, Game Four tomorrow night that the Gerard suits up Ryan, starts the game off? and gets things going physically to send a message without taking any kind of bad penalty, kind of set the tone for the game, get more physical, get a little more into their face. Cause you know, the, the Rangers aren't really designed that way, but do you think it would be best suited for them to start that way and play off of what happened at the end of the game? I don't know that they want to play off too much of that because you never know what's going to happen. You never know how the refs are going to call it. You never know if there's a scrum, if somebody twists his knee. I think you have to be careful about that, but I would expect the fourth line to start. And I, I would expect Ryan Reeves to make an impact early in this game. I think that's his role, actually. You mention it, but that's what he's there for. He, he's there to deliver big hits. He's there to present a physical identity for the team. And Kevin Rooney is a guy who likes to get in hard. So does Tyler Mott, who is... Listen, if, if the Rangers can find a way to keep Tyler Mott next year, they are way ahead of the game. 
I'm way ahead of the game. He's really an impressive bottom six player. There, there's no question. So, you know, I think if they can get a good forecheck going on, on that first shift, maybe pin Carolina in, and then you come with, you know, Zabanajad, and then you come with Heedle, and then you come with Strom, and 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 I think that's um, I think that's the way the Rangers would like to start Game Four. But again, you know, when extracurricular starts, you just never know when it stops, and it's it's sometimes it gets out of control. Not that these two teams are you know are are you know sluggers and and uh, are, are cheap shot artists. You know, they they both play it pretty straight. But I, I would I I, I do I. I do think you're right. I, I think they need to set a physical tone. You can get advantage of, of your, your home fan base, get them involved, get them going. And possibly, you know, Carolina will retaliate. If you go after them, they will retaliate and they will take a penalty. So, you know, giving them an opportunity on a power play, possibly score the first goal. And that could make a difference in this series. So uh, having said all that, we can't let you go without discussing Gerard Gallant because he's a finalist in the Jack Adams Award. And I love what Daryl Sutter had to say about his who he would vote for. So what are your thoughts on Gerard Gallant and possibly winning the Jack Adams Award? Listen, I think he's done as good a job as anybody in the league. Whether he has done a better job than the other finalists, like who is to say, and you look at the finalists, the Jack Adams Award is nice. Um, but, you know, when John Cooper is not a nominee for it, you kind of look and say, well, uh, you know, so so listen, I, I don't I don't think it's the award itself, but Gallant has empowered this team. They're not a perfect team, but he has empowered them both on and off the ice. And I think really one of the, you know, his greatest asset or one of his great assets as a coach is that he knows he knows how to relate to NHL players and he knows how to relate to big time NHL players because you know he was one you know he may not have been a superstar but he was a big time NHL player for a while in a big time NHL city in Detroit so he understands what it means to be in these players' skates. And I think that informs everything he does, the way he handles the marquee guys, the way he handles the, the fourth liners, because he was a tough guy. So he understands that role, too. He, you know, he was a guy who fought when, in an era where, where stars fought. But he, you know, he knows the toll that can take on, on players. He doesn't ask too much of guys, but he expects players to be prepared. He expects players to master details. And when they don't, he gets a little bit frustrated with that. So I think he has gotten everything, pretty much everything. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to exalt him like he's Toe Blake, or, you know, at this point, I mean, got to win a championship at some point, but um, um, I, you know, he's, he's had a very, very impressive first year behind the Rangers bench and he's had a very impressive career as an NHL coach. And, and he has allowed the Rangers to, to do what they to do what they do. Is there room for improvement? Yeah, there is. But, you know, again, they're, they're now in the final eight all year. It was kind of like, well, they're not really as good as their record is. And it's only Shesterkin. And then they're down 3-1 to Pitts. And then, you know, and they finish in the top, whatever, 6-7 in the league. They're at the top of the league all year. Um, they're fighting for first place until the last week of the season. Uh, then they go into the playoffs. They fall behind 3-1 to Pittsburgh and Crosby. And they come back. And it's kind of like, well, you know, Crosby was hurt. And then, the, you know, now, now they're playing Carolina toe-to-toe. They honestly were not, exp- I don't think very many people thought they had much of a chance in this series, to tell you the truth. And they're down 2-1. And, and they're, you know, they 
they still they still have to get a game in Carolina and they have to win all of their games at home. Um, so it's you know they're they're still pushing, but here they are. You know they're in, they're in the final eight now, and and they've the mighty you know the mighty Hurricanes are 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 locked in this death struggle with the Rangers. They they can't break away from the Rangers either. You know there's a little frustration. The Rangers haven't been able to really get into their game against Carolina. Well, Carolina hasn't gotten into their game against the Rangers. You know, you you can give a lot of the credit to Shesterkin, but a lot of it goes to the coach as well. All righty. Thank you so much for your time, Larry. And we'll chat again next week. Thanks, guys. After everyone had poo-pooed you. All righty, Ron. That'll wrap up episode 90. Our friend Vlad, the Vladislav Nemensnikov. Oh, that's pretty good. Edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Well, thank you, Jake and Andrew Hartz, for producing the show. And uh, I'm sitting here thinking, I really want to go to game four, and I'm going to do my best to go to game four. Now, if I go to game four, Jake, Andrew, would it be possible for us to do a live show? We've talked about wanting to do a live show somewhere. Is that possible after the game, after a big win? Well, win or lose, I think it would be fun to do a live show. Yeah, win or lose, we'll do it. You know, if, if you're going, we will do it. And I'll hit up my guy, Hoosh, Kevin, the big boss at America. American whiskey. So, Ron, we will update fans on Twitter. It is around the corner from the garden. What is it? On 30th, I believe. Yes, West 30th. So, right around the corner from the garden between 7th and 8th Avenue. A lot of Ranger fans go there pre-game, post-game. So, if you're there, we'll update everyone on Twitter. We will do a post-game podcast. The first live show ever in the history of Up in the Blue Seats. Obviously, the pandemic got in the way. Couldn't do many live things. So, post-game pod. Up in the Blue Seats. Ron Duguay, live from American Whiskey. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on Spotify as well. Looking forward to potentially seeing everyone, hopefully the Rangers, even this series because it'll be uh, a lot of drinking in our sorrows if they lose that game. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jake. Jake, wait a minute. What's... What are we saying about the Rangers? The Rangers, New Yorkers never give up. So regardless, we go down 3-1. We do not give up. We're going to show up. We're going to cheer this team on. They came back on Pittsburgh. I don't care. Win or lose, we're going to be there to support this team. And uh, we'll just have some fun. Yeah, they will win, though, because there's no quit in New York. This was the shirt they gave away, by the way. New York, the white shirt they gave away. The Ranger won last time. Does it say? Tw- I think it says 22 in the back, which is the year, not the player number once again. Uh, for no- Number 10, Ron Duguay, Molly Walker, Andrew Hartz. I am Jake Brown. We will close this show with outside of the Garden of Game 3. I got some fan reactions to their feeling of the series right now, their thoughts about Tony D'Angelo, their predictions. So we'll close up in the blue seats with hearing from you, the fans. We'll see you tomorrow. John from Brooklyn here. John, one win. How are you feeling now about the series? I like it. We got to go one at a time. And take them by the horns and shove it and just go. So you're not worried that they've been outplayed at all? You think they still got a shot to win this thing? Every game has been close defensively. They got to just win more face-offs and get to those loose pucks and good things will happen. Keep rolling off the ice. I f-ing hate that guy. Cut him right now and Panarin's got to wake his ass up. What do you think about Tony D'Angelo? He's a really good player. Obviously, I hate him because he's on the other side, but he's, he's a good f-
player. What did you think of what happened at the end there? Classic. Playoff hockey. All right, so official prediction. Rangers are going to win in seven. Let's go Rangers! All right, Angelina from Brooklyn. How are you feeling about the series now that it's 2-1? Better now, but I was nervous before, but we're going to make a comeback, so we got this. You sound very nervous right now. Are you actually confident or not? Yes. After this game, I am. What do you think of Tony D'Angelo? He's an asshole. All right, so your official prediction for the series? I think we're going to win. I don't think we're going to lose. They're not going to let it go away. Like, go away. Rangers in seven? Yeah, obviously. Let's go Rangers! All right, Michael from Rochelle Park, 2-1 series. How are you feeling right now? F***ing awesome. Do you feel a little bit more confident they got to win under their belt now? Can they win the series? I think they can win the series. I don't think that team can play on the road. I think we started getting outplayed towards the end of the second when Gallant switched the lines back to, you know, what they normally are, but which I didn't like very much, but we still won, so no complaints. Official prediction for the for the series? Rangers at seven. Your thoughts on Tony D'Angelo? Don't I, I know him, so I can't, <laughs> I can't say much. I know him personally. Let's go, Rangers. I still feel under my right titty. Hearts punched me pretty hard when the Rangers tied the game when we were there on Sunday.